0: To the Deal Room podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have another captivating episode of our State of the Market series. We're about to dive deep into the pulse of various industries from manufacturing to medical, dental, and many more. Now, why is understanding the state of the market so crucial? Simple, understanding the state of the market is the key to unlocking endless opportunities for growth, gaining valuable insights into the competitive landscape, deciphering consumer buying patterns, and most importantly, formulating effective risk management strategies. So, whether you're a budding entrepreneur or business owner seeking your next big break or a seasoned business owner determined to stay ahead of the game, this series is your compass guiding you through the ever-changing tides of the market. Now, get ready to decode the trends and gain a strategic advantage that will propel your business to new heights and stay tuned as we dive into another state-of-the-market episode. Here we go. Jenny, hello. Welcome to The Deal Room Podcast. Thanks for having me, Joanna. My absolute pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Now, how about uh, we kick it off? Obviously, today we're talking about the state of the market um, in buying motels and accommodation businesses. But why don't you just give us a quick background before we get started on that how did you get started in this industry, and how long have you been in the industry? Like, what was the reasoning? What's the attraction in this particular subset of uh, business broking? I think
1: I think it was more, um, you know, a series of different different points in my career that that led me to where I am today. But when I kicked off, you know, out of school, I went straight into sales and marketing. So it it has always been. Something that I've done um, started off in I'm going to show my age here, but started off in the time when the personal computer was starting to have a big influence on business. Um, so I spent, you know, dozen plus years focused on um, software, technology, how it impacts business and dealing with a lot of large businesses in that sense um, moved on to a sea change we had kids that decided that i I had a bit of a a liking for real estate so did my full real estate agent's license came back to victoria got back into real estate Um, i live in the beautiful town of bright up in northeast victoria Um, can imagine a better place to live and actually focused on um, property management. So I had holiday accommodation experience in Queensland, came back to Victoria, uh, continued on with that, um, spent most of the years that my kids were growing up working for a real estate agent. Um, And then the opportunity came around when I empty nested and I had more time um, and, you know, late nights or weekend work weren't going to be such an issue. And I um, was lucky enough to get into selling or broking um, businesses in the area of tourism and accommodation. So all of those sort of steps led me to where I've ended up today, which is just a fabulous niche to working. I
0: love it. And why is it such a good niche? What do you love about working in, in this niche area?
1: A, you get to travel to some beautiful towns. We, we work in North East Victoria, so very much... Um, tourist towns, um, you get to meet uh, really lovely people in this area. It's not, it's not all about the numbers. You know, people get, in, get into motels and, you know, even caravan parks um, for the lifestyle as well as the, you know, the building wealth. So there's a lot of opportunity to speak to real people. Um, you, don't, you don't traditionally have to fight the hierarchy to get through to the people that you need to. Um, it's still quite an old-fashioned way of selling, building relationships, which is lovely. Um, and, yeah, you just you get to travel in one of the most beautiful places in the world.
0: Well, absolutely. You're selling it for all of us. I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, okay, all right. So, So how is selling businesses in this industry different, do you think, than other types of businesses?
1: I don't know that the fundamentals are different at all. Um, you know, they're scalable, of course, and, um, you know, uh, different markets have, you know, different needs when, when people are either setting up to sell or whether they're um, looking to buy. But fundamentally, the, the elements are all the same. Uh, I just think you have a really good opportunity as a broker to get to understand your purchaser and your vendor really well, um, and there is very much a personal element to it um you know it can be very much an emotional way of selling it's it's not like you're a widget producer um you're a people business you're you're if you're going to get into this game you need to be a people person uh and your clientele your guests they're people too so it's just it's just a nice way to get to know people and and understand what their objectives are selling or buying.
0: Okay. All right. So, but I mean, you know, there are some things that are different to other industries, I guess. You know, you're dealing with, you know, the premises, for example, are far more important, obviously, because they're the core asset, aren't they, you know, um, to many other businesses. And that comes with its own challenges, I guess. What's your thoughts about that, you know, in terms of differences?
1: If you're looking from a purchasing point of view, um, you can talk about all the fundamentals to what you're looking for when you're buying a business. And of course, you know, there's this wonderful thing called setting up a deal team. That um, <laughs> Somebody in legal once taught me that term. Love it, Jenny, <laughs> love it. it, it. <laughs> um, so, you know, you do have all those standard processes to go through. You want to make sure you've got the right accountant on board, you want to make sure you've got the right solicitor on board, you want to make sure you've got the right financiers on board. But then when it comes specifically to the property itself, so in this game you can be a freehold and business owner or if you're a leaseholder, then, you know, you've got that relationship with the with the landlord. So talking about leaseholders, they very much have to understand their responsibilities um in, in the business, you know what, what applies to them as the leaseholder. And some leaseholders can be surprised at the um uh you know how far their responsibilities go when it comes to the fixtures, you know, the carpets and things like that. So there is a lot of education to understand what's your responsibility as a leasehold. And then on the other side of the coin, what's your responsibility um uh, well, what's the responsibility of a landlord, and that's where having done your, your due diligence on understanding who your landlord is, how they respond to the leaseholder, who's potentially you know could be just the tenant before you or the or the vendor, um, and doing the work required to get that understood as well. Because I can reflect on many many years in property management and. The relationships between a tenant and a landlord are critical and the most success for both parties is when there is a very open and supportive relationship between both parties we we always hear about the bad stuff that goes wrong but it is minor but you don't want to be in that position yourself if you're investing you know a lot of money in buying a business when you are reliant also on what that freeholder owner is willing to do in supporting you in your business Um, And, you know, purchases can go a long way to getting that um, established before they buy. I I consider that very much part of the due diligence. You know, you really need to hammer your broker to get as much information as you can about what is the current relationship um, and then relying on your legal team to check the lease out for you make sure that, you know, the terms and conditions of that lease are going to support you for the next 20, 25 years, which is... Standard lease terms. If you're going to be a leaseholder,
0: and if we're talking about sellers going to market, what are some? Are there any sort of classic issues that you've seen in failure to prepare? Um, You know, whether it's you know with the lease and the way the the you you know the lease stands, issues with the lease, or,
1: or otherwise in this industry? Yeah. Look, I think we probably, like a lot of other industries, sometimes when you are an owner operator. Um, you you eventually get to the point where you're tired and you want to go to market and, you know, not allowing the appropriate amount of time to set up to sell. You really, really, really have to set up to sell. And just like a purchaser, a seller really needs to have their deal team together um, and get all the advice they can as far as setting up to sell. Um, you You want to make sure that your property is presented in the best way possible because it is an emotional buy still. Someone drives up to that property um, and they want to see that it's neat and tidy. They don't want to see water leaks. They don't want to see gardens that are unruly. Um, They don't want to see potholes, you know, in the car park and all those um, first impressions things that become very, very important for, for a buyer. And the one thing to remember about a buyer in this game is that it is not just someone that wants to build wealth. It, it can be the person who wants to buy their home with their business. So the, the um, traditionally there's a owner residence, and that residence needs to be presented well, because you know the buyer needs to feel like they can go there and make a home for their kids, or you know they can get away and have a nice place to live. It's not all about just making money in this game so a lot a lot a, there's a lot that a seller can do through first impressions there's a lot a seller can do to understand the tax implications of how how it's best that they structure their deal for sale because i always get asked about you know tax implications and i'm not a tax agent and i'm not going to so you've got to have that already set up you've got to have a leasing place where you have continuously over the time of you operating, have if it's a, if you're selling as a leasehold, you've got to remember that it's a depreciating asset. So you want to have a valued asset when you go to sale. So you've got to keep looking at your renewal terms and the options, and you know what are the costs of um, getting additional years on your lease. Don't get to market and have a broker come along and say. Uh, you haven't got enough lease on it, you're not going to get the money you want because there's not the time for the purchaser to get the return on investment. So, you know, stupid things like um, making sure that you've had a PPSR check done. Um, You know, I've had a multi-million dollar deal that came to a grinding halt because the seller had, um, uh, a bank had, you know, they registered registered on the securities register and it took so long to get the, the registration released. And it was from 15 years ago and it didn't even relate to the current business. So simple things like that can can just be done in the beginning so that you've got a smooth path to to sale.
0: Okay, well, uh, why don't we dig into it then, market trends. What are you seeing in the market at the moment? What's the market looking like?
1: The market as far as buying and selling at the moment is no doubt impacted by the current um, interest rate issues. So, you know, that's affecting um, commercial rates just as much as it's, you know, affecting home buyers. It also creates a little bit of uncertainty um, with people, you know, the confidence in in going forward. And I think in our game, when a lot of tourist-based businesses are uh, funded with discretionary spend, you need to have the confidence that people are going to keep coming back. So um, looking at occupancy rates, what, are, what is the current vendor doing to maintain their occupancy rate? Are they in a niche market? There's loads of um, towns that are still thriving um, and it, it may well be that the smaller towns or, you know, people may well choose to to just get in their car and drive as opposed to having the money to go overseas. So it's, it's a shame that the market forces do create uncertainty, but there is still a lot of opportunity for people to um, get into really good and sustainable businesses. And in our game, occupancy can prove that. So there's nothing stopping you seeing what the last six months has done, you know what happened before COVID, what ha- has happened since COVID. There's a lot of information there that you can gather if you're looking to buy. Fantastic. And what, um, like what
0: makes a um, a, you know, an accommodation business that's like hot in demand at the moment?
1: Uh, I think there's a lot to be said for niching. Um, there's a lot to be said for how you understand and use technology. There's a lot of um, uh, opportunity. From from a, from a technology point of view, there is a lot of fear by operators in how to use technology. Um, and, you know, a lot of moteliers are generational and they haven't come up with technology. So they're not necessarily maximising the bottom line. You, you don't even have to inc- increase your occupancy. You can use technology to get repeat guests. You can use technology to um, uh, go around your booking Agencies, you know, they charge a big percentage of every booking, um, and as an operator, you can get fifteen percent back on your bottom line straight away if somebody books with you directly. So there's a lot you can use technology for. There's a lot of um, opportunity to continue to repeat market to your guests. You know, it's it's cheaper to keep a guest than it is to go out and find a new one. So start to love who you know, love who your guests are. Um, but I do, I look, I am so passionate about taking the older style motels for which they they're everywhere you know they're built in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s but using that to your advantage don't don't be put off by the mission brown paint or the you know the brown brickwork or the blonde brickwork of the 90s you can really make um a motel such fun For your guests, if you just play off each of the decades um, that you get into, and you can, you know, we might cringe at the 80s or I definitely can, can cringe at the 80s, but the younger generation find it so much fun. And, you know, there's even Netflix shows about Taking on old, older, you know, motels and, um, revitalizing them, bringing them into the modern era, but playing off all of the, the quirks that they, they may have. And then that gives you a brilliant marketing opportunity. It also gives the younger generation loads of, um, opportunity for Instagram photos, you know, what, whatever it might be. And, you know, I, there's a, a motel up on the on the Murray where they literally took the worst motel on the street and they went, okay, we're doing a barley thing. And they bought in, they, you know, they did spend money on it. So I'm not saying that what they did was necessarily cheap. You don't have to bring palm trees in. But they created such a beautiful theme, but very retro and reminding us of the 60s, you know, the beautiful pinks and the aquas. And they did up the pool, so it had all those really um, reflective um, black and white lounges and things like that that people just love. And But at the same time, they built a pool room where you could get out of the pool and you could party in the pool room. It had a full kitchen. So it appealed to people coming along there with their families, having a pool, being in a beautiful tourist town, but such fun um you know they could really do something fun and niche it and i know their guests will just want to keep going back you know it's personal it's fun um you know in bright we had a a, a recent leaseholder that came in and her passion was food and she didn't she didn't open a restaurant but what she's done is she's created um a, a market where she her guests can get beautiful charcuterie boards and Get access to the beautiful wines in this valley and she's a little bit high up off the river and got all the umbrellas and the lounges and the tables and, you know, again, a brilliant marketing opportunity. Her photos look beautiful. Everyone wants to see beautiful food and how it's laid out and dress tables. So there's so much. If you've got a passion and you can apply that to your motel, I think you can do so much in this game. You've just you've just got to come along with passion and creativity really or a side hustle if you've got a side hustle add that into your motel oh i love it what are some examples of some side hustles you've seen incorporated particularly in this area because um this valley and you know the surrounding valleys are very much access to the snow fields so you know as a um as an operator you can have already in the guest rooms, you can have their skis ready, you can have their snow chains ready, you can have the kids' toboggans ready, um, you can have uh, access to tours, um, you know, getting, you know, local buses to get get you up the mountain. Um, You can, you know, there's an operator locally who came into it from a bus tour company and they've got a small bus. So they're only a small um, hotel, but a motel, but what they can do is book it out for their bus tours, and then you know, guess guests roll out the door. They get in the in the bus and can go anywhere in the valleys here to um, see the beautiful region, drink, eat, and roll back home without ever having to get in their car. Um, so yeah, there's lots of lots of opportunities if you just can pick it.
0: Fantastic. Well, and my last question, I just want to talk about the valuation approach to accommodation businesses. What's the usual valuation approach and what sort of creates, I guess, a standout in terms of, you know, valuation, if um, if, if you can talk about that?
1: Yeah, I think well, you've got, so we work in both areas. We've got the leasehold, so just the business component of running a motel. That's been fairly consistent for you know years in that you're probably looking at around a you know if you're keeping to that three three and a half times multiple of adjusted net profit um, it's a fairly simple um, you know calculation and again depending on where your occupancy is what is the opportunity to grow the business um, the presentation of the business you know does does a purchaser have to walk in and Upgrade all the beds and all the mattresses and the floor coverings. So there's always going to be a range um, based on you know the overall presentation of the business. From a freehold point of view, that's very much dependent on the the market or the you know where you are, um, you know, and how how uh, likely it is that there are market forces that could affect you at any time. Um, So the ranges can be quite, you know, the difference between selling a business in, say, Bright, which is quite a booming tourist area, to a business that perhaps only gets travellers on one of the major highways, you you would have very different approaches to that. But it could be anywhere from you know, eight or nine percent return on investment right up into the high teens. So there are a lot of factors that will will go into that. Um and obviously how good is the the structural side of, you know, your freehold property as well.
0: Fantastic. Well, look, Jenny. Thank you so much for our run through the um, the state of uh, the market for the motel and accommodation industry. Thank you for having me. Any last parting words um, to our listeners, and and how do they engage with you? I guess. Well,
1: certainly they can call me at any time. Um, so my number is zero four one nine zero zero nine zero three three or it is jenny, J E W N Y at betterbusinessbrokers.com.au. My biggest piece of advice is give yourself time, get your team set up, and go into it with your eyes wide open.
0: Love it. What brilliant advice, Jenny. And thank you so much. Such an interesting insight um, into this particular Um, uh, segment of the market. Um, Really fantastic speaking to you, Jenny, and thank you so much for being a guest on the Deal Room podcast.
1: Thank you, Joanna. I'm thrilled. Thank you. Wonderful. You have a great day. Yeah, you too.
0: Well, that's it for this episode of The Deal Room Podcast. We hope you're now primed for your next deal with these pointers and have enjoyed these fascinating insights. Now, if you'd like more information about this topic, then head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com where you'll be able to download a transcript of this episode as well as access any contact details and any other additional information we referred to in today's podcast. Now, if you'd like to get in contact with our guests today and the services they offer, you can go ahead and check out our show notes for a link right through to them and their details. You can also book in directly with our legal eagles at Aspect Legal. If you'd like to soundboard your next steps, discuss a legal question or find out more how we can assist, whether that's with buying or selling a business or perhaps somewhere in between. Now, don't forget to subscribe to The Deal Room Podcast on your favourite podcast player to get notifications whenever a new episode is out. We'd also love to hear your feedback, so please leave us a review and rating if you're already one of our subscribers, or even if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time. Every review helps our team produce valuable content for you. Well, thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time.